Ibilewe, a Nigerian writer based in Lagos, Nigeria. The title of my fiction story that I'll be sharing with you is Cordelia's Song. The title of the story is Cordelia's Song. The vast rectangular shaped OB building in the family compound of Mrs. Cordelia Igwe was not empty at this time of night. Nine women sat in the room. All were deep in meditation. The round face clock that hung on one of the blue painted inner walls of the meeting room shined 12 times in a soft tone. It was 12 midnight. The night was silent in Iyoma, a sleepy town in Olo, Imo State. Just as the people of Iyoma slept, the women of Amusu society in this meeting room communed with the spirits that guide and empower them. The women need their divine wisdom. A case was to be presented this night and a decision was to be taken. All were getting prepared. A thick seven-inch red candle provided the flickering yellowish glow in the room. The bloody candle was perched on a stool that was in the middle of the room. Four women sat on the left-hand side of the stool. The other four women sat on the right-hand side of the stool. Decked in short sleeve, long anklets, black and purple vertically striped Ankara attires. The women were all deep in meditation. With black scarf with evilly despised white glittering bead. They remain true to the uniformity of the Amu society while communing with the spirits. They had their hands folded in front of their chest, eyes closed. They were deep in meditation. The supreme head of the Amu society sat on her throne at the end of the room like a judge in a courtroom. Her elbows were rested on the mahogany table in front of her. Long fingers adorned with different size and color of wings were interlocked into each other. Under her prominent chin in a meditative state, the eyes of Akudo, the supreme head of the Amu society, were closed. The table on which her elbows rested on was not empty. There was a 56 inches long wooden maze of four on the table. It was laid across the breadth of the mahogany table. 
the face of a queen with a crown was sculptured at one end of the offer, a symbol of authority in the Amu society. All was quiet in the room. Akudo opened her eyes. The other woman in the room did the same. They all stared at each other, but they were not seeing each other. With eyes still lace on her member and her hands still laced together under her shin, the supreme head scanned the faces of her followers that were in the room. It was as if she was seeing them for the first time. Then her eyes rested on Cordelia Igwe, who sat on the far right. Cordelia Igwe was the one that convened this quorum meeting. Cordelia Igwe, she called out, present your case. Her voice was clear. Across the length of the room. Cordelia Igwe, the grieving widow who lost her son nine months ago, stood up. She was tall, fair in complexion with a remarkable beauty that age couldn't dent. She was in her early forties. Cordelia Igwe stood up. facing the member in front of her. If I agree my son, she called out her head raised up at the ceiling. If I come, a thick white smoke appeared in a sizzle some feet away from Cordelia. It was a thick white smoke, the shape of a giant mushroom, the height of an 18-year-old boy. Darkness came darkness gradually swallowed up the thick white smoke that has formed some feet away from Cordelia directly in front of Akudo, the supreme head of the Amoso society. Darkness couldn't swallow up the tall and disheveled boy with a maggot infested skin.
he was decked in a blue native attire. The attire was all tattered up like a beast shielded up and gave the remnants of the attire to Ephraim to wear. Ephraim was long dead. The umbilical cord connects the mother to her unborn child. A channel through which the unborn child in the darkness of the womb gets the needed nutrients. The umbilical cord is severed off at birth. The bond of the mother to the child is not severed up. It still remains. It remains through infanthood. It remains through adulthood. In the Amu society, the bond of mother to her child remains even on the death of the child. The bond of Cordelia Igwe to her late son, modern in the most gruesome of, ma of manner, while as an undergraduate at Ago University, remains. The bond remains. Cordelia stared as her long dead son. She gave birth to him. She cared for him. Gave him the best any mother will give to her child. Even when his father left them for another woman, she was there for him. Even when the man died, Corrida was there for her son. She was the fortitude that her son banked on. She cared for finding her son through thick and thin. She was on the last stretch of giving her son the best of education. At just 18 years, Ephraim gained admission into Agor University in Agor Town. The ninth then came. When Ephraim was at second semester in his hundred level, the news got to her that her son had been murdered in a clash that occurred between students of Agor University and the indigenous of Agor. The news deadened her. Since then, she had been lost. What happened to her son? 
why her son? What did she do wrong? Mother, Ifai's voice was hoarse and hollow. Ifai, my son, she called out. They killed me, mother. Who killed you, my son? I will show you, mother. Show me. The images came to a fine. He gave the images to his mother. Placing the images on her mind screen. And as Cordelia Igwe received the images on her mind screen, she also gave it to the woman of Amo Society that was also in the room. Cordelia Igwe also gave the images to Akudo, the Supreme Head. The images came. The images came. They all received it. It was dusk in the sleepy university town of Agor. Students of Agor University are on the road protesting. They are with placards of different color. And the extrajudicial killing, the placards read. We are tired of Agor vigilante groups. Disband Agor vigilante groups. Arrest and apprehend the killers of the students of Agor University. The students chanted war songs as they approached the palace of the king of Agon. They are protesting the extrajudicial killings of their fellow students by the vigilante group of Agon. They make their way on the sandy roads that lead the palace. The protesting students approach the dark study gate of the palace. They want the king of Agor to come out and address them on the steps to be taken to Stop the extrajudicial killing by the vigilante group of Agor. Gunshots what? Gunshots was what welcomed them to the palace. 
conscience that came from the king's palace conscience Someone was shooting at the students from inside the palace. The students scampered off like lost sheep on sighting a swooping hawk. Some of the students fell on the dusty ground. Some were trampled upon. There was chaos. There was pandemonium. Some of them beat a retreat as the gunshots keep on coming from inside the palace. Some, the bold ones, approached the black gate of the palace. They were not empty-handed. They clutched kegs containing fuel. Well, got in from a nearby filling station. They emptied the contents on the yellow wall of the palace. In a matter of minutes, the king's palace was in flames. The students knew they have done their worst. They scampered off to the sanctuary of the of the school campus as it is the only place that they will feel safe in our God that night. The old king of our God didn't make it out alive from that infamy. He was burnt beyond recognition. His wives and his children wept. That same evening, the Council of Chiefs met at the palatial mansion of Chief Johnson. Chief Johnson was the head of the Council of Chiefs. The Agor Vigilante Group were in that meeting. The king will be buried. His burial will not be like that of a commoner. The king was not a commoner. Ten heads, ten heads would accompany the king on his journey to the underworld. The ten heads will not come from the indigenes of Agotown. The ten heads will come from these strangers that just killed their king.
you've just seen priest Bala, the tall and dark leader of the Agor Vigilante Group. He spread out his ten hands. Spread out his ten fingers. Bala understood. The other chiefs in the room, they nodded. They all understood. Johnson made a horizontal slitting motion across his thick neck with his hands. They all understood. Bala and his member, they left to get what is needed, those who are needed to accompany the king on the journey he was about to set. That same night, most students have trooped to the university campus. They knew that no one is to sleep outside that night because the indigenous of Agor will seek vengeance. Any student that they will see, they will destroy. So all the students moved towards the vast university campus. It was raining that fateful night. The unthinkable has happened. They have burnt down the king's palace. That was not all. News was also trickling in that the king didn't make it out of that inferno alive. The students have to stay inside the campus, protecting themselves pending when The government sends in police officers or military officers to protect them. They knew that it would not be possible that night. They knew that it would be the next morning. So they have till this night to protect themselves. Ifan Yigwe and four of his, of his friends stay on outskirts of Agota. The news got to them very late. They were waiting on a bike to take them to the university campus. They stay very far away from the university campus. They waited and waited for a bike that would take them to the university campus. 
two bikes approached. They heaved a sigh of relief as they flagged down the approaching bikes. From far, they knew the six men that were on the two bikes were not actually bike men. They saw the cutlass that they clutched. They knew they were in danger. They scampered off. Only two of Ifani's friends escaped. Ifani and the others were not lucky. The men caught them, dragged them into the nearby bush, and beheaded them. Leaving their body to rot. In the wet bush. If I showed it all, there was strained silence in the middle room. All have seen what happened. They killed me, mother. Cordelia nodded. They killed me, mother. I cannot kill them. They took my head, mother. I cannot take it back. Mother gave birth to me completely. Mother buries me completely. Cordelia Igwe understood. Cordelia Igwe understood. Chief Johnson. Chiefs, the vigilante men who took the life of his son were not ordinary men. His son was not the first person they were killing for ritual purposes. These men, these evil men, acquired their wealth by shedding blood. They knew the repercussion of their actions. They knew the blood of the ones that they slay would cry out. They knew the spirits of the ones that they have killed would come back to haunt them, seeking for vengeance. These evil men got themselves prepared. They fortified themselves against the, against the revenging spirits. The one they serve created a great spiritual fortitude, a great spiritual war around them that no weapon unleashed by any of these vengeance spirits will penetrate such ones. They have been fully fortified. The spirit of his son has made several attempts to destroy Chief Johnson and his men. His attempts have been rebuffed. 
she will give his son one last gift. She will do the best she can. Cordelia Igwe faced the supreme head. I seek strength for my son to fulfill his mission. Akudo maintained eye contact with the grieving widow. She allowed the words to sink into his mind. Akudo slowly nodded. She unfolded her hands that had been under her chains and placed them on the table, some few inches away from the offer that laid across the breast of the table. She slowly glanced around the faces of her followers. Her eyes rested on the dark, hollow eyes of Ephraim. She closed her eyes. She slowly leaned forward. Say yes if you are in support of the summon. Say no if you oppose the summon, Akudo said. The women of Amu's society closed their eyes as they whispered their votes to declare uncluttered mind of the supreme head. The voice vote echoed in the chamber of Akudo's voice. It was on anonymous. Their voice was one. The voices also echoed in the mind of the woman in the room. The brown offer suddenly emit a golden glow through its whole length. The golden glow engulfed the room. A decision has been taken. The yes was very resounding. The quorum of the Amos Society were in support of the summer. The golden glow allowed the darkness to swallow it up. An unanimous decision has just been taken. Akudo, the first supreme head of the Amu society from the eastern region of Nigeria, stood up from her throne. All were in support of the summer. Her job was to do their bidding. She slowly stretched out her right arm in front of her. Mwamusu, she called out. Mwamusu. Mwamusu. 
home. A sudden gust of wind slammed powerfully into the meeting room from the window. At the same time, a black pillar of cloud appeared behind Ifine. The cloud touched the floor and the ceiling of the room at the same time. The black pillar of cloud seeking, swelling to the gust of wind that blew in the room. When the that cloud disappeared. A tall, sloppy woman in long, flowing red tattered, ankle-length gown was behind the fire. The sloppy woman was in a red gown. Her long face was wrinkled and covered with blushes of different color. Her large sockets held in position two red glowing orbs. Her wrinkled purple veined white hand clutched a two-bladed axe. The axe was dripping thick, fresh blood. The, the blood was fresh like Muamusu just dismembered a ritual killer before being summoned. Muamusu are victims of ritual killings armed robbery attacks, rape, false accusation, kidnapping and all other grievous crimes of humanity. They never rest in peace. They roam the earth seeking vengeance. Their moose society empowered them with spiritual power to seek for the vengeance they seek. They repay the power Amus society have vested in them by being there when they are called upon, when they are summoned, just like moments like this. The torso of the moon swayed left, right, as it awaited her next command. Akudo turned to Cordelia. Muamusu, we need your permission to take possession of your beloved. Cordelia understood. She removed her shoes so that her feet can be in contact with the cold concrete floor. She faced more. I, Cordelia, agree. 
grant you permission to take possession of my beloved. Do his bidding and never leave him until he gets what he seeks for. forward making her way to Ifani who stood still. Some few inches away from Ifani, more raised up her two arms and wrapped it around Ifani. She wrapped it around Ifani in an embrace. Ifani's body became a violent whirlwind that sucked in Muamu suing to him. Only Ifani remained. Ifani's eyes were now a glowing red orbs. His right hand clutched Mo's axe. That still dripped fresh blood. He finally raised up the axe and gazed at it. Then he glanced up at his mother. His son's eyes were lifeless. She would not be able to see the swells of emotion that were in those eyes. She gave birth to her son complete. She experienced the after warmth of giving birth to his son complete in body and training him complete character wise. She was halfway in giving him the complete intellectual development and setting him on his road to success. Evil men of this wicked world cut short her dream, cut short his dream. What has happened have happened. With all her powers and the society she belongs to, she will not be able to bring back her son. She will do what she can with what she has. They, be, they, they beheaded her son in a ritual killing so as to bury their king with it. She gave birth to her son complete. She will bury her son complete. Rivers of blood will flow around the town of Agor and beyond until they give her back the head of her son. She felt the hot tears cascade down her cheeks. She sniffed. She wiped away the tears. If I am my son, go well. Dark smoke appeared all around her son and enveloped him. When the smoke disappeared, only the living women of the Amu society were the only ones in the room. 
I am Judy Bimiri. I write stories. Thank you for the time.